This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks and welcome to episode 21 of the podcast. Adam is my name, I'm the host and I'm one of the voices that you hear in this uh, next hour or so. Uh, on this podcast, and of course, um, before we get into this week's podcast, I want to give a special mention to Simon and Blake, who were on our last hour-long episode, because we do the catch-up every single week, and we've had, or every other week, and we've had some fantastic responses to the catch-up, um, over over 130 listens, by far the most popular um, part episode of the catch-up yet. Uh, but Simon and Blake have had a phenomenal response, we're at over 650 listens, um, right now, um, which is amazing for two weeks. Um, we've the next best performer was uh, our episode with Johnny Bones. It's had about five hundred and thirty listens, and that only clocked over five hundred a couple of weeks ago. It took its time to kind of get up to that, uh, to that up to that point as well. Uh, probably took nearly a month to get to five hundred listens, Bones. So for Simon and Blake to do six hundred and fifty listens has been incredible and, and the one thing that I, I really did put it down to is sharing so I'm, I'm going to implore you all if you hear something that you love today something that you think someone else will benefit from something that you think is worth um, someone else hearing please share it I mean I know that you know people I know that there are people in your world that have a mental health condition um, that have are living with poor mental health um, that are struggling to manage their poor their mental health and uh, I can only say please get please get the message out there we're getting this fantastic response. We're having amazing responses all over Australia. Sydney is strong. We're getting really consistent listens in Brisbane and Perth and Adelaide and Melbourne and Canberra. Um, we love that so many people are embracing this. Worldwide, we're getting incredible listens. We've had Saudi Arabia, Arabia listening. We've had Tanzania listening. We've had these incredible far-flung places listening to our podcast. And, of course, Louisville representing every single uh, every single episode, which we love. Thank you so much to Trav and Laura for being so supportive there. Um, but, again, they share the hell out of this thing. So all we're going to ask you is just to share it. Um, this is how we promote. This is how we get people to listen and we get our message out there. Um, and this is how we start conversations, by being courageous enough to talk about our own mental health, <clears throat> but also to, to then share that story with other people. Um, and to share the the uh, share, you know, to be able to sit and listen to other people talk about their mental health actually, I think, is quite therapeutic because you then get to listen to to how they manage it and what they do to support themselves. So, on to this week's podcast. Um, this one, this week is actually uh, was a really cool one to record. Uh, this is Brendan and Deb. <laughs> now you'll hear in the podcast that Brendan sometimes his mic technique is a little bit off. He gets a little bit away from the mic, so it's, please excuse that. But Brendan and Deb, I met professionally a couple of weeks ago, a couple, few months back actually, and they uh, they work for uh, the Southwestern Sydney. <clears throat> pardon me, pardon me, 
the um, South Western Sydney Primary Health Network, and they um, are part of a project called uh, the Tackling the Challenge Project. And uh, Tackling the Challenge is about talking about men's mental health. Uh, talking about men's health encourages men to share their stories of resilience. The project aims to make a positive impact on men's health by sharing their stories of overcoming challenges and thriving. Uh, if you'd like to go and share your story, uh, I've done that. I had the pleasure of doing that with them. Um, head over to their Facebook page, SWS Wellbeing. Uh, they've shared some of their stories on that page, some of the stories that men have uh, shared with them. Uh, but equally, uh, I think these guys have a, a really uh, interesting insight into what it means to have a lived experience of mental health and the ways that you can support yourself uh, and to, to manage uh, or be supported and support others to manage um, poor mental health and mental health conditions. Uh, there is a little bit of <laughs> dubious advice here at some point. Uh, Brendan suggests <laughs> that that a really interesting way to um, perhaps de-stress is to have a cold shower in the dark. Now, I've not been brave enough to try this yet. I, I feel like um, even just the description of it suggests that it's a bad idea. <laughs> but um, Brendan swears by it. So if you ever feel brave enough, um, perhaps go and have a bit of a um, go and have a bit of a go <laughs> and a bit of a try of the the, the cold shower in the dark. I, I do know someone that tried it, and he said it was a little bit overrated. <laughs> Might work for you. That's what, and that's what this is about. This is about hearing things that might work for you, but maybe not work for somebody else. So this is Brendan and Deb, Deborah, um, and they're from the Tackling and Challenge Project, part of the Southwestern Sydney Primary Health Network, or SWSPHN, or the PHN as we call them. And uh, this has been a, this was a really interesting chat. So, without further ado, um, let's ask the question. Brendan and Deborah, how are you going, mate? <laughs> Pretty good, Adam. How about you? <laughs> I'm well. This is it's it's that this what what do I say? I just told him literally. This is what I'm going to ask you. Um, thank you guys for being here today. I'm. Uh, we'll do an intro at the top of this, but before I ask the mental health question, I do. I, I'd said I was going to do it in a different order, but I actually want to come back to, I guess, why you're on the podcast. Um, so I'm going to leave it to you two to fight between the two of you to tell me, but. We're here because you guys run a, a pretty significant mental health project here in southwestern Sydney. Please tell me, please tell the listeners about this. Sure. So we have been working on a project uh, called Tackling the Challenge, Talking Men's Health for the past two and a half, three years. Uh, it started in the Windsor Caribbee down in the Southern Highlands uh, as a bit of a pilot project where we interviewed and... Um, where we, uh, sorry, I'll go back, where we put the word out to, I guess, community members to share their lived experience of going through a particular health challenge, mm -hmm. whether that be mental illness-related, addiction, grief, relationship breakdown, I guess whatever that health challenge was, we really wanted to... There's like chronic illness and things like that yeah, as well, isn't like it? Yeah, like chronic illness, like recovery from motor vehicle accidents, kind yeah. of anything where... Guys have had to seek some help seeking. Yeah. So I guess the whole, like the bones of the project is to normalize help seeking behavior for guys. Yeah. We know that guys can um, take a little bit longer to access those support services or are reluctant to, to seek them at all. So this project really asked guys to come forward to say, hey, okay, well, what have you been through and what services did you connect to? 
So other guys reading those stories can say, hey, well, I'm like John, I'm like Steve, I'm like Rob. Um, I went through that. Why can't I seek those same support services like he did? Yeah, but- so I guess, you know, to really identify those, you know, those champions at a local level, hmm. you know, these men's health champions to say, okay, well, these are guys who have put their hand up to say, well, I've gone through something, I've gone through a struggle, but hey, I've also put my hand up to seek help. Hmm. Um, and now we're really lucky that we get to do it across southwestern Sydney. So now we've expanded it into MacArthur area and yep. the Liverpool, Bankstown, Fairfield area. Yeah, cool. So they're two separate groups. So in both those areas, we're looking for about eight people, eight to ten people yeah. to try to capture their story. We've been really lucky. We've already got five in each of those areas, yeah. but are still looking for more. So the type of stories we've already got is um, general anxiety disorders. Yeah. Um, I'm grew up drawing a blank on the other <laughs> ones right now. Don't worry, like, we, uh, we can edit that piece yeah. out. Like, <laughs> we won't, but we can. <laughs> Particularly um, like things like transitional experiences for guys, um, you know, migration experiences, uh, mental illness related um, experiences. A carer as well. So yeah. the struggles yeah. of being yeah. a carer of someone with a mental illness, which is a really important take on things as well because they carry such a, an important and large yeah. load. Yeah, yeah. Um, so showing insight of how not only did they s- seek help for their person, but how they also sought help for themselves or how they had self-care, uh, what kind of strengths did they pull on to get them through those times. Mm. What was – I think there's two very different groups there as well as you said, like Bankstown, Fairfield, Liverpool, I would imagine very different than Windsor Caribbean in terms of – the ethnic makeup, nationalities, cultural yeah. diversity, things like that. Yeah. Were there commonalities or were there real differences between the two? So with particularly like in terms of uh, mental illness and experiences of like mental distress, there's yeah. some really big differences between Windsor Caribbee and some of the guys through the Liverpool Fairfield Bankstown version of the yeah. project. Because I don't know, I kind of feel like, you know, like a a cultural, like a cold element places like a thousand percent more stigma yeah. on um, seeking support services. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, particularly from backgrounds where, you know, what does mental illness even mean? What does well-being mean? What does mental health mean? Um, you know, so you're first kind of working with that and grappling with that, mm. you know, so like it's a yeah different, different social fabric between spaces here in southwestern Sydney, yeah. which is like a really great thing to experience um, because you get to kind of see, you know, the experiences that these different kind of groups, you know, share and what they go through when it comes yeah. to the, like, yeah. their help seeking. It also showed with, within the areas the difference in isolation. So yeah. in the Winter Caribbean area, isolation, not so, so much from people because they still have people, though mm. that was a factor, but from services as well. So yeah. the available services down south are less than Liverpool area or less... Yeah. Maybe it might feel less or less achievable, less visible maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But little issues like that yeah, came up. Right. There might be, say, one service in, in Mittagong versus three or four in Fairfield or three or four in the different areas yeah, in Fairfield. Or they can access the Sydney ones <coughs> like that much easier than someone who's down south. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. that played a role. Yeah, and I think... Um, I think what we're experiencing as well, like already with some of the differences, um, has been like the age 
of guys wanting to be involved. So like for, for guys down in the Widget Caribbean project, the majority were kind of 50 plus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, half the guys for Liverpool, Fairfield, Bankstown and MacArthur, uh, you know, like 30, 40. Okay. Um, so it's really great for us that we're getting like a spread of the age makeup. Yeah. And not just hearing from one particular age group across southwestern Sydney. Is there is there an age bracket in your, your project? Is it 18 a, plus. 18 plus. Yeah, so we yeah, could have, yeah. because we're talking today about the fact that there's, um, uh, you know, 85 years and plus is one of the highest brackets. Like it's double the rate of suicide than any other age bracket. Yeah. You know, we, uh, are these people out there to be talked to? Are they something that you're interested in or is it a, yeah, yeah, if they come on board, they're on board. Yeah. If they're on board. Like, well, yeah. Anyway, it's, there is a process. So definitely they need to be over 18, but they also need to be ready to share their story. Yeah, and yeah. that's obviously really important for us as the, the project mm. managers, but for them as well, mm. um, we don't want to cause anyone any stress. It is a big thing to share that. So um, anyone who feels they might want to get involved, there is a, a short screening kind of tool or a few questions we yeah. ask just to make sure they're ready, that their family yeah. is okay with it or their friends, anyone that might be linked in um, because it's something that people should talk to people about, if especially if it will impact them. Yeah. Um, so we are pretty thorough with that and it hasn't, like it's it's been a benefit to the project because yeah. it also helps give us some insight into where they're coming from and who those support people are. Yeah. The question there is, and for the purpose of the podcast, everyone understands, I've done this interview and you, good luck you know, transcribing to 17 hours of conversation <laughs> that we had. But that, that form is actually really thorough. Um, and it really, you know, for me, there was a point in my life when I wouldn't have shared the story. And mine would have been out of just fear of people um, using it against me. Um, never really had the, I mean, I probably did have the stigma, but I, I was really worried about it being used against me. So where that question comes in of like, are you prepared to share your story? Do you understand that it's going to be published? You know, that's quite a confronting question. And there was a point where I would have went, yeah, no, you're not doing this. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not involved in your project. Sorry, guys. I really want to help you, but I'm not going to do it. So I wonder: is, is there a lot of people at that stage that kind of go, "No, I can't do it." Yeah, well, I've I've had at least maybe three from the MacArthur project where they've got in contact, they've shown a bit of interest, but then they've said, oh, "I'm just not ready." But I'm really happy that this project's happening, mm-hmm. which is it shows some insight into the fact that those people who aren't ready that they this. They've got this happiness to see that people are going to learn more about this. Mm-hmm. Um, there is that need there from their from their end at least. Yeah. They, they want people to understand it better, and we're really lucky to be in a position where we get to be a part of that. Yeah, I um, had a similar experience with some of the guys down in the Highlands and Liverpool, Fairfield, Bankstown. Like thinking that they're ready, but the good thing about those questions is that it kind of helps them to say, okay, well, helps them to understand. Okay, well, maybe I'm not so ready. And then it's like really great because then we're in a position to say, okay, well, what can we do to better support you? Who can we link you in with? Um, And then like we also kind of say to them, hey, it's not a closed door on you either. Like In six months' time if you think, yeah, "Yeah, I'm good now. That's right. If things change for you or, you know, we can send you some of these stories when they start to get published, you know, so Mm. you get more of a feel for it. So Mm. we're not like, all right, cheers, mate, bye. You know, you can't be involved because you're not so ready yet. Yeah. So I think that's what one of the good things about this project is, like Deborah said, like it really keeps a door open and, um, you know, is still there for when guys are ready to share. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What were the re- 
going back to you know the reasons that men don't seek help, and conceivably there's people who are listening to this that kind of don't have that information, and part of this is about sharing some of these information and professional insights about you know what this is. What did you guys find? Why weren't people sharing? Why weren't people seeking help, I should say? Um, I don't know. I think it's... Were there commonalities yeah. or did the, was it a well, range of reasons? Thinking back of the couple running through my mind, stigma was a part of it. There was a sense of denial as well, yeah, like this yeah. isn't happening. And yeah. there was a common thread of um, a lack of understanding that the, that tiredness they were feeling, that irritation, mm. that crankiness, that really short feelings or fuse that they had, they didn't realise that, oh, that's actually signs that my mental health isn't yeah. so good right now yeah. they just didn't realize that they were signs and i'm just tired i haven't slept well yeah. yeah if i just get some more sleep then that that's what it I've is i've been like, busy at work lately so there yeah. was that common thread there um but when they look back they realized they were actually the signs of depression or anxiety that mm. they were having um, which just shows that lack of um understanding of like what it does look like and where that it's a gap that people yeah. need to promote that bit more Brenda may have found some other Oh, look, I think – and I think, like, underneath that, like, where that is, like, rooted to is, like, where, you know, like, guys are kind of brought up in this understanding, well, you know, that's that's what my dad was like, you know, like, Mm. he he fired off when, you know, he was stressed Mm. and, like, you know, then that's why I'm doing that now or, Mm. like, you know, my uncle never spoke. Well, you know, that's just how I'm dealing with it now. I'm not going to choose – I'm not going to, you know, speak to my wife or – to my friends about what they're going through so like deborah said like there's this entrenched kind of like understanding or misunderstanding sorry of like the perceived kind of symptoms of mental illness yeah or mental distress i Uh, say to people one of the things that i um when i had my diagnosis i started to think about people in my life that i knew and look back and went oh geez they were depressed they had a mental health, like mm. saw things that they did and went, okay, that makes a lot more sense with that person now. And, and a couple of those people I've had conversations with, they're like, yep, yeah, I just never spoke about it. Mm. And we just assumed, and, and and I think I've spoken to you guys about this as well. It's that, you know, oh, that's just that's just how dad was. He yeah. was, uh, you know, or, or Pop was just a cranky old bugger, yeah. you know. Um, no, Pop probably had a mental health issue and he never spoke about it because he was in World War II when he came back and... You know, he saw horrible things and nobody ever actually helped him to process that or understand it and he just drank. Yeah. You know, and we call it post-traumatic stress. It was, was it shell shock back in the day? Um, but, you know, he, 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 never, he never had anyone to actually connect with, you know. Hopefully now we would, you know, we're seeing a bit of generational change where, you know, we're now and – and the other thing I always have as well is because I feel like I understand this so well – I'm like, how doesn't everyone know? Like, how doesn't everyone know that yeah. those things are signs of depression? That those yeah. things are signs of anxiety? That this is a pretty good indicator that your mental health is not good, and you need to do something about it. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of forget that not everyone knows it. Yeah. Well, one of our um, the the guys that we interviewed raised a really good point where he said he saw the posters for Beyond Blue and places like that, and they didn't resonate with him. Like that sad person hunched over in the grey poster, that wasn't him. Yeah. And so he didn't think that that was his issue either and so there's that represent how is it being represented when it is yeah. being promoted mm-hmm. it does seem to have that that real sad yeah. feel about it where you, not so much the aggression the aggression um aggression isn't shown or yeah and i know, think there's um, other things 
that's what like I really like like about this project as well because like it shines a light on the things that are that are working for guys yeah and not just those typical you know google image search of depression and it's a guy hunched over in a corner yeah. like this project is talking about well okay a guy has gone through a particular rough time but here he is now you know x amount of time down the track look what he's a part of look how mm. well he's connected he sought treatment he's a regular punter He's down at the RSL club like anyone else. Like, he's just a regular dude. Um, So, like, that portrayal of, like, that imagery around, like, mental health and mental illness is being, like, challenged. Mm. And it's, like, more strength-focused. It's local guys. It's local men learning about local guys. Mm -hmm. Like, we're really like the idea of like creating these local men's health champions in a way yeah, across yeah. southwestern yeah. sydney much like a grassroots thing where yeah. and promotes you know. local services like if a guy says i went to my gp and he was really good it just puts that message there's good gps in the area mm. that i could go to yeah like it, yeah and i think that's the thing there. for guys like there's like a level of like mistrust like well if i go to i think you mentioned this yesterday deborah like there's a a level of mistrust for guys in accessing services. Like, oh, if I go to my GP or if I go to a psych, you know, what does that mean for my kids? What does that mean for my wife? Like, will yeah. I, you know, like what's the implication for everyone else? Yeah. You know, and, or what could happen as a result of me accessing those services? Yeah. And I, a link from that is like, what does that mean for my ex-wife? Which is another yeah. what yeah. we've spoken about when people are going through custody. Hello. Yep. Yeah. So when <laughs> yeah, yeah. All yeah. those issues are happening, and they don't want another strike against their name, and that yeah. can look like that. And so that, that, it's exactly what it was for me. Yeah. It was all done in secret. You know, it was all done. You know, I, I did all the things I needed to do, but it was yeah. all done in secret because I didn't want her to know. Yeah. Because if she found out, I mean, I, I mean, maybe she would, maybe she wouldn't, but I didn't want to give her the opportunity yeah. to. And it's so common, like, where people hold back yeah, um, just for that reason. And, it's yeah, it's important that we can put out, okay, well, there's also these other options. Like, if that is your absolute fear, here's some other things you could also do. Yeah. Like, there's um, – but by these stories, they show a range of help-seeking behaviours. Yeah, so, it, cool. some of it is professional help, which is great and definitely – yep you know, an advisable thing. But there's also those lifestyle behaviours which make, can make a huge difference. Like what? What else is there? What, what, uh, a, give me the general and then I'm going to yeah. ask you, give me the one you went, wow, I never thought of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like um, anytime I talk about this project, I talk about this bloke called Andy. So Andy was this guy who was commuting from Mossvale to North Sydney yeah. every day for work. And that put a massive strain on his relationship. Um, obviously, you know, like not really seeing your partner because all the time is spent yeah, at it's work like a or two and a half hour trip every yeah. day. Yeah. Um, Andy had his own battles with mental distress, with addiction, and he lost one of his best mates to cancer. Yep. Um, and then, you know, part of Andy's help-seeking journey was actually like his his <coughs> neighbours being like so adamant. Hey, look, Andy, you know we've we've noticed a change in you lately what's going on like let me take you to a gp like even that like really stood out for me because that just unheard of you know Mm. people to be that um forthcoming to say hey look i'm that worried for you let me take your hand and take you to a gp like that is unreal if you're listening to this and if you're worried about anyone 
take them to your GP. Yeah. Um, so he was then connected into his GP um, through Lifeline as well, I think, um, from memory, sorry. Um, but one of the... So he got those professional help-seeking avenues and platforms and things like that. But then he said, you know what, Brendan, part of my help-seeking journey was listening to podcasts, listening to yeah. men's health podcasts. It was lifestyle overhaul. Mm-hmm. It was doing the walks. It was putting myself first for a change. Yep. It was like that that internal kind of motivation to better himself alongside of what he was getting from his GP yeah, and yeah. from his uh, support people. Yeah. So that's incredible. Like that's an incredible insight, I think, yeah. in that way. Because for me, whilst I knew probably knew most of that stuff, I actually haven't started doing that until about six months ago. And, and truthfully, actually, probably about three months ago, um, I was introduced to the concept of you know prioritising your wellness about six months ago. And I, like, I did the medication, did the counselling. Those things worked, and they worked really well. Um, stopped smoking twelve years ago as well. Um, but never adopted exercise and diet and, and gratitude and mindfulness practice and all those sorts of things. Never took those on board. And really, it's only been the last three months. Like, I can't imagine. Like, I'm really worried now about winter because it's going to be cold <laughs> and I want to walk, but I'm not. It's going to be a real challenge to get up at six in the morning and go out. Oh, I've look. I've I've bought a pair of those like exercisey type things. I wear shorts over them. Don't worry. Um, but I bought one some of those exercise type things because I'm like, you know, I I need to still be able to walk in winter. It's been really a big revelation for me how much of a positive effect it's had on my mental health. Yeah. Like just you know, and I mean, I, I I say to people, I think I've said this to you guys before. I consider myself to be pretty well advanced in my recovery journey. I, I'm not on medication anymore. I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on my mental health. Like everyone, I have moments where it goes up and down and things that really affect it. But generally speaking, I've got the tools and the things I need to control it. But this has been another level for me, diet and exercise and focusing on gratitude, focusing on mindfulness. So I'm really, you know, for Andy to have that so early in his journey is fantastic because, yeah. and to discover it effectively himself, mm. like to sort of sit there and go, I'm going to try this stuff and yeah. oh wow it worked yeah. yeah and a big thing for Andy as well um, like he he talks really highly of like loving fishing like he loves to go fishing yeah you know like he he loves that time spent with mates um, you know those extra kind of activities that guys can do like they might do these things already but not consciously know that they're supporting well-being yeah like another bloke from the Winger Caribbean Project um he was one of our anonymous participants. So like in this project, you can have your face to the name or you can be anonymous. Yep. Um, you know, one of these anonymous guys um, had, you know, some inpatient stays here in southwest of Sydney, lots of kind of ups and downs in his recovery journey. But one of the big things that he, um, you know, talks about when it comes to his recovery and how well he is doing in the community is... He, because of his involvement with men's sheds mm-hmm. and his involvement in community gardens. Yeah. So like that time giving back to the community, being part of the community, feeling connected, feeling... Connecting to nature, needed, being creative yeah, as well, yeah. Feeling um, important, like skills being shared. Like that's where he really, you know, gets that motivation and that um, extra sense of... Um, oh, what's the word like? 
um, like improvement or like that um, that extra bit of anything to keep him going. Hmm. Um, and he's just so dedicated to those two spaces and gives so much time per week to these two spaces. Um, yeah, just unreal stories. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you guys – one of the things I always think about when I think about – whenever we do mental health training and if you look up online and look at the stuff – you know, are you okay? How are you going, mate? Or whatever the question is, you know, connecting with that person. It's the thing that you do next that is, I think, where there's a big gap area. Like, what do I say to the person? And you mentioned, and this is something that I talk about all the time, go and see, go and see your GP. Mm. If you've got a good GP, go and see them, go and talk to them. And interestingly, um, Laura in the pre- previous podcast said, you know, the thing that I always, you always talk about going to see your GP. In the States, we don't do, we don't go and see the GP for mental health stuff. We go and see the GP when we're like literally dying from something. Yeah. Because this health system over there, it's, yeah, you pay, it's pay to yeah. play, you know, pay to play. So you don't actually, you know, you can't just hand over a Medicare card and say, hey, I'm going to go in. Yeah. Um, in terms of some of the other stuff, let's say you're the, you know, you're Andy's neighbour. You know, what else do we say to people? Is it is it simply let's go to the GP? Is it just as simple as sitting and listening to Andy talk? Um, is it talking? What do we, what do we say? What's next? Well, I think um, like for if I was Andy's neighbour, you know, like you just mentioned, like you don't have to have the answers to everything. Yeah. You don't have to solve Andy's uh, whoever this person is. You don't have to solve their their problem like it's um like a very underrated thing is just listening to someone Mm. it's just hearing what they have to say without having to solve every kind of problem for them Mm. or fix everything or it's just a matter of making that time and hearing what they have to say checking in and that the end of it feeling like making a comment to say, okay, well, with what you've told me, what can we do together mm. to make sure that you're okay? Mm. Um, you know, whether that be GP, triple zero, lifeline, you know, whatever it needs to be to make sure that person is safe. Um, but yeah, like it is so underrated just to spend time with someone and just sit next to them and listen to what they have to say because maybe that's all that person might need Mm. you know they don't have anyone else to talk to about this Mm -hmm. Um, yeah just the ability for someone like we all know this when you you get something off your chest you do feel a lot better and what they get off their chest like brendan said that doesn't make it then your responsibility to fix that but that alone might be enough for them Mm. just um if they don't also letting them know that they don't have to talk if they don't want to but so they know you're there go for a walk with them or just checking in making sure they're okay I think also just reminding people that mental health isn't a dirty word. Like we talk about our Mm. physical health and Mm. it's your health and it's fine, it's safe. But as soon as people put mental near it, it's almost like it's suddenly a a bad mental health. But it's letting people realise, and Brendan taught me this, about the range scale of your mental health. Like throughout (laughs) your life, (laughs) it all changed. It's someday like it all move up and down that scale. And for people to be aware of that throughout their life, it will go up and mm. down and to have those skills, you know, being taught from a very young age of of how we cope when it is up that nasty end yeah. and yeah. how we are aware of it when it's down the happy end because that awareness of what, you know, good mental health feels like. Yeah. You I know. think um, you just kind of reminded me about like just actually validating the emotion and the feeling as well. 
like acknowledging that okay well you know it's human behavior for you to feel this way yeah, like, yeah. You, there's nothing wrong with you like yeah. it is okay yeah like with um, you know whatever you're going through there's a reason behind it yeah. like it's not just something that you've plucked from the air to say okay well i'm choosing to be like this there's yeah. something underneath that and there's a reason why and well, often for guys like it's needing that acknowledgement or needing that validation of yeah. whether that be male or female to say well okay well yeah that's okay to feel that way i can understand why what can we both do about it to make sure that yeah. you're safe when i leave here today yeah you know like yeah i think that's part of the challenge as well like say for example something like bullying you know it's one of those things that's often dismissed as oh it's just a bit of fun you know um we all went through that i was bullied when i was at high school as well you'll just have to toughen up on it Mm. um that's actually really traumatic and it leaves we know this it leaves scars on people it leaves you know it has that it creates poor mental health down the track it creates all those other things um to not dismiss that yeah and and oh you feel you feel shit yeah, you're allowed to feel shit because a shitty thing happened to you and that's yeah. actually a really reasonable reaction in this yeah. situation. And yeah. even that reminder that, yeah, it might be really bad right now and sometimes, some days sometimes yeah. are really hard, but that horrible cliche of tomorrow's another day, but yeah. almost like there will be hard times, but that doesn't mean there won't be good times again. Yeah. They will come, yeah. um, but we do need to ride through One of the, the hard um, ones. One of the guys from the Liverpool Fairfield Bankstown version of the project kind of termed it around like the yin and the yang. Yeah. So he quite um, like how he kind of talked about his mental distress and recovery and his life. He kind of framed it around um, like suffering versus pleasure. Yeah. And like when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is like a strange concept for me to understand. Like I've never really kind of heard... Yeah. Someone kind of frame their kind of life around, okay, you, to go through a level of kind of suffering, to go through suffering, you must have, you know, had a level of happiness and pleasure before that, yeah. you know, so there's like a balance to your life. So you actually know? need to understand what the good stuff feels like yeah. to know what the bad stuff yeah. feels like yeah. and then vice versa. Yeah. So it kind of left me thinking, oh, like, well, that's just, you know, that's a really interesting way to kind of perceive or yeah. to understand you know, mental health and mental distress, yeah. you know, for particular cultural groups as yeah, well. Like yeah. a, and, like, it's not something that I had consciously thought about, but, like, leaving that room, I was like, oh, wow, that's, like, super interesting, you know, like, and it kind of reminded me a little yeah. bit when you were speaking then, Deborah. Yeah. Um, I, the concept that I love as well in touching what you're talking about around physical um, health is the concept of it being an injury. Yeah. You know, you suffered a trauma, you have an injury now. Like it is an injury, yeah. and like any injury, the quicker you get on top of it and rehab it, the better your chance you have of recovering from the injury. The yeah. longer you leave it, the harder it's going to be to make it get it back to where it was, and it may never get back to where it was. Yeah. You know, um, you know, my dad, I may have said this to you guys. He's a he's a cyclist, and he had a bike accident, and the process of him getting to see a, a specialist and getting a, a surgery was six months. And the surgeon said to him, if I had to saw you, like if you were an NRL player, this would have happened on a Sunday, I would have saw you on a Monday, you would have been in surgery on a Tuesday. If that happened with you, I could have fixed this completely. But as it stands, this is what we can do and this is as good as it's going to get for you. And he was like, okay, you know, that sucks. 
but all right, at least I can still use my arm and everything's okay. When my dad introduced the concept of mental injury to me, I, I was like, yeah, you're right, because you have a trauma. Something really, you know, happens to create this horrible traumatic event in your life. If you can get in early enough and get the help-seeking behaviour, aka, you know, maybe Andy suffered for a really long time before he actually got it, but if you can get in early enough and start to to treat this and rehab it, yeah. you've got a chance of actually coming back and living a, you know, the rest of your life being able to manage your wellness pretty well. Yeah. I think that's like, I think you touch on like a really good thing. A lot of people have this idea that mental illness can't be fixed. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's such like a... And I don't know where it comes from. Like it's a, like obviously like a societal thing, you know, yeah. that has just been built into culture. But like, there's just this that you're just going to have it forever. Yeah. Okay, well that's you. <laughs> yeah. You're done. Like, oh shit, depression. All right, yeah. see you later, pal. You're out. Virus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> well, it kind of is because it does come back. <laughs> yeah, but so I don't know what that is or like, but yeah, like, and that's part of. Well, I liken it I to know. the flu. We've all had the flu. Yeah. You don't walk around going, oh, well, you know, I'm a survivor of the flu virus. <laughs> you know, you had it, you took some medication, you looked after yourself, yeah. and now you make sure you wash your hands better. Or if someone's got the flu, you stay away from them. Yeah. You know, you well, don't you risk it. Good now. advice that worked for you. Yeah, you it's go, hey, rest. yeah, this is, all, yeah, have a day off work or two, you know, yeah. do that sort of thing. And to me, it's, I, I sort of say to people as well, you know, um, I love the quote from Wayne Schwartz, you know, I prefer to call it managing my wellness because if I talk about it, about dealing with a mental health issue, it keeps me mired in that that negativity yeah. i'm i'm about getting better um and and as you said some of the stuff that we do which some people when i go i, I walk every day now i look after my diet i i do this these are all the things that i do to look after my wellness people go we already do that we just do that that's just called <laughs> living <laughs> you go like okay cool good for you but you know yeah. i now have to adopt these things yeah. so it's that, that that idea that there's certain things that you do that you don't necessarily think of as self-care activities yeah, yeah. Yeah. but they're absolutely self-care activities and 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 it's to me it's about you know what are the things that i need to do what are the situations i need to avoid how and if i'm in that situation again how can I manage that situation differently yeah. so that I don't have that really negative outcome at the end, which is you know falling back into an episode of really bad mental health? Yeah. Mm. Well, following on that, one of our um, one of the guys we interviewed, he young, super fit, healthy, um, and then was struck by anxiety. Like it got worse and worse over time, um, and then he ended up managing it through cognitive behaviour therapy. Yep. Which, when you hear that, if you're not familiar with the actual practice it does sound like people are going to put stickers and cords to you and you're going to sit under these bright lights or something um it sounds a bit too intricate but um really it's retraining the brain so changing those paths so he's not only did he see a counselor and he raved about his support but he also did a lot of reading and some of our the guys we have interviewed follow this same kind of pattern where they really dove into that information and they they really wanted to learn and understand from it so he read a lot about cognitive behavior therapy and Mm. just started really practicing it and he he struggled with it as in keep reminding himself okay you know how can I change this from a negative to a positive and Mm. an example he gave was he'd be you know, he had to rush to the supermarket to get something for a dessert. He was sent there to grab strawberries. Mm. So he just had a second to run in, grab them, run out, and someone went in front of him in the line. Mm. 
Mm. And so he said, normally I'd be like really angry and just like really laying into her in his head, like mm. you so and so, whatever. Instead, he was like, you know what? I'm going to take this time. What else? How like how could I make this dessert even better? So he started using these time like those moments to see, well, how, how can I get the silver lining out of this? How can I use this to benefit me somehow? Mm. And it was an incredibly positive spin on things, but it really struck a chord of. You know, he's right. Like, it's so easy to think the negative thought. Mm. Like, our brain almost seems that's the, the mm. default mode. Well, it is default mode. Yeah. The human brain's designed so, to look for negative all the time. Yeah, and it succeeds. So, yeah. to like bring it back. So, just that idea for people out there to think of, to, you know, you see those moments. Since I spoke to him, I've like, when I'm getting frustrated at things, I try to see, okay, mm. what can mm. I get out of this? Mm. <laughs> I, where's, the, where's that silver lining to try to just switch your brain over and. Yeah find a, something to be grateful for in that moment instead and yeah or even for me i, I cutting getting cut off in traffic is my classic example yeah. Yeah. you know now to start with that person's an asshole <laughs> how dare you do that to me you know but then i stop and i think oh okay they're not doing anything to me like they don't have a personal grudge they haven't walked out of that door this morning and gone see how we can ruin adam's day let's see what that looks like but also what if that person what if they just found out they had a baby and they're rushing to the hospital or they just found out someone's dying and they're rushing to the hospital or maybe they just really need to go to the loo and they're just (laughs) rushing to get home like what if they're actually legitimately cutting me off in traffic for a reason and they really urgently need to be somewhere else so i try and similar thing i just try and reframe it a little bit in my head and you know not be instantly angry at the person yeah doesn't always work no and (laughs) And it never will i think that's something to remember like um and this same person said you know that doesn't mean i'm i'm cured and i'm happy every day i still have really bad days and i might feel down but now he's got that tool in his pocket and he uses it every day like you said reframing and going okay this is going not so great yeah but like forcing it back onto that different track and Mm. it is hard and it is you know exhausting Mm. but just there is that tool where people can use that and and really try it on like it's something we can all easily try on and see how that feels even if it's once a day and a couple of times and just Mm. creating that practice um that was a great one to to hear about and it gives like you know that's a really great example for like a you know, something that guys can learn to do, you know, mm. and have learned it from reading a story as well. Like, because yeah. um, I think guys are really looking for those easy, not easy, but like those tools to kind of help them mm. um, and can put in the time to kind of apply them. Mm. Um, yeah, like I just think there's <laughs> like things that guys can be utilizing and things like that, like that CBT approach. You know, and I think the thing that. <laughs> Touching on the physical again, and I'm going to go on a tiny bit of a tangent, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring it in. <laughs> we trust you. I pr- promise. Um, it's like, you know, going for one run and expecting to be skinny. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've got to do that consistently over a period of time and yeah. get your body used to that level of exercise and then your health will improve. To me, it's a similar thing. Okay, you'll do it once and you might, you might try to do that once and then fail and go, no, I still feel shitty. But you have to actually consistently apply it, do it every day, try and do it as often as that happens to you and actually train your mind to start thinking that way. Um, And again... Some days you will get up and you don't want to go for a walk. Some days you'll someone will cut you off in traffic and you will honk the horn and call them an asshole. But 
then you've got to actually stop and think, well, why did I do that? And yeah. do I really need to do that? And, okay, I need to, you know, calm myself down and get back home and, you know, be a normal person and not, you know, kick the dog or something on the way through the door. Not that we promote dog kicking <laughs> in any way, shape or form, but you get what I mean. Absolutely. Um, kick the cat instead. <laughs> now, I just... I, I just, didn't mean that. <laughs> That's right, cats are no good. <laughs> I'm a dog, dog guy. Oh, look, I've, I've got a cat that occasionally... <laughs> Occasionally he tries to get in the house and no, I don't kick him. Um, <laughs> animal cruelty is bad. Um, now to pull back the curtain a bit, you've got a list of highlighted things there. Have we have we touched most of the bases? Have we hit them? Yeah, I have. I outed public. you into the thingy. They came prepared. I don't come prepared to these things. Oh, you, yeah. It looks like I've got no written down. I don't really. All I've got is the name of your the name yeah. of your um the name of your project written down, just so I made sure I got it right. <laughs> Oh, I think one of the things that I did touch on it, but it is really important is it's not just about like often people do seek help when they're in crisis. Yeah. yeah. But one is bringing it out so it's, you know, greater awareness, which, you know, we're all doing already, but that recognizing the life stages of it. So it doesn't just kick in when someone hits puberty. Like we can start looking after our mental health as soon as, you know, our child is born. Like there's little things we can do. So they're feeling secure. So yep. they're feeling loved. And those simple things, you know, they're the foundations of, mm. of a human being. Um, but then continuing on because, you know, kids, I think we take for granted, like we see all these things around us and that's our life, but they're still experiencing those things for the first times and mm. letting them, like guiding them through in a more gentle way or yeah. that's not, I don't mean cotton wool, but being aware of their own anxieties, explaining things to them and asking them questions because sometimes kids don't know they can ask. But mm. starting these practices right from the get-go and being aware of them throughout our lives, not mm. just, oh, look, that 25-year-old male has mm. intense mental health issues. or It's not because he's a 25-year-old male. Like this probably, you know, when did it actually start? Like One of the things I've just, and again, it, touching on what we were just talking about, <clears throat> not saying for a minute I'm expert or brilliant at this and do it all the time um, but I have a six-year-old who you know and you have children as well they're irrational <laughs> and you know can I have a mini egg no you can't and it's a 15-minute tantrum right um, one of the things I'm practicing with her is rather than stopping that tantrum I let her have the tantrum and I let her go through the emotional process yeah. and I let her get to the other end of it and then I sit down with her and try and figure out why she had it or try and help her understand it but allowing her to process that emotion and just understand that that's cool like have you and she'll often get she'll have a tantrum storm into a bedroom slam the door shut comes out 10 minutes later and you know hey daddy (laughs) and you kind of go okay cool like rather than trying to stop it or stifle it or you know, stamp it out and resent get it. resent it, get angry with it. And again, I'm not perfect at it. I'm not going to say that I don't do it. Um, and in, and in from in my field with the behaviour support stuff, you know, I'm trying to redirect it, trying to give her a, a another positive way. You know, now you can't have the mini egg, but you can have some grapes. Or hey, let's go and paint a picture instead of doing that, or or whatever it is, something. But um, but allowing her to feel that emotion so she doesn't get to 25. And A, doesn't know how to manage emotions and B, any time anything comes up, she just goes, oh, no, no, got to shut that down because yeah. Dad told me I'm not allowed to do that. Yeah. Letting her go through it and then, as I said, trying to get her to understand it. It's been a revelation as a parent for me and I've got an older child. Um, cool, feel the emotion. Go through the process. 
Yeah. Work out why it makes you feel the way it makes you feel. Yeah. Then let's let's explore that and let's try and find a way to make it not happen the next time. Or, hey, it's okay to feel shitty for a little bit. Cool, it's okay to be angry with me. Still not going to get the mini eggs. Yeah. <laughs> but just be angry. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, like oh, a while ago, we kind of implemented this um, kind of little game with our three-year-old. Um, so I've got this jar that sits on our kitchen bench and it's a glitter jar. Mm-hmm. So what it is, is just some purple glitter in some water in a jar. Mm-hmm. So anytime our three-year-old kind of flies off the handle and has like a tantrum or gets like, um, you know, really upset, I grab the glitter jar. You told me about this before yeah. and I forgot about him writing it. <laughs> so I do it. <laughs> and then I'm so, actually going to try this yeah, year. <laughs> so then what we kind of do with her is like, all right, Ella, grab the glitter jar and shake it. So yeah. she shakes the glitter jar and like whilst all the glitter is sporadically going everywhere in the water, it's about saying, okay, well, yeah, look, like just kind of easing her through what that glitter means. Yeah. It's like, hey, is that glitter how you're feeling at the moment? It's going everywhere at the moment, but yeah. watch it settle. Oh, just focus on one bit of glitter, one speckle of glitter yeah. and follow it and watch it get slower and slower and slower. And then you'll notice the rest of the glitter is starting to settle as well. Now, are you settled? How are you feeling now? What does, what does your brain need more right now so you become more settled? Yeah. And at the end of like what, a couple of minutes, like the glitter is settled, Ella is settled, yeah. We're all watching TV and happy as Larry. Yeah, I feel you know, pretty settled right now. Like <laughs> yeah, I'm actually in visualizing that <laughs> in my head because I'm imagining. Well, look, it can be. <laughs> you, said, you said purple glitter. It's, it's, it's purple. In I'm, our, I'm, all, it's I'm purple, purple in our house. <laughs> like you can have it's pink. A little bit. <laughs> it's like a little mason jar type. Yeah, thing. no, no. I, I read it. Yeah. I read it like a couple of years ago, and I'm like, yes, perfect. I'm gonna yeah. like remember that forever. It sits on our kitchen bench. Um, yeah, and like. Ella gets like over it now. She's like, "Oh, glitter!" Like, but like, every now and again, it still works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just something tangible, and like that glitter really represents all the stress, all the emotion, all the frustration, all the pain, all the tears. Yeah. yeah. But then all the glitter just slowly, slowly, slowly settles and stops, and it's fine. And she's she's and she's fine. And mum and dad are fine. Yeah, yeah. Now eighteen it's, month old is fine. It's got, it's kind of a nice way. Of, it's it's a nice way of bringing it to a conclusion without saying stop crying. Yeah. I, yeah. Or, or when yeah, I was a kid, strange, I'll yeah. give you something to cry about oh, in a minute. Yeah, that's a special reason, yeah. But the, it's a good example of mindfulness. And the problem with like yeah. mindfulness is such a great tool. And being present and take notice is what we say in five ways to well-being. But a lot of time when people hear mindfulness or meditation, it has this like uh, eye roll. Oh, hippie, trippy, namby-pamby. Yeah, but when you say it's just about being in the moment, like focus on that bird flying for a minute, watch that leaf blow around on the tree, watch, see how many red cars go by in the next minute. Like all those things are mindfulness essentially yep. just slow your brain down be aware yep. something so simple like that can change someone's day yep. and it can like 10 seconds of that could make a huge impact the stats something crazy like 50% we spend 50% of our time thinking about the past or the future 
Like literally half of our day is spent thinking about Two something. Two days before I get back. Read that yesterday. <laughs> Thanks, Dalai Lama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Like it's, yeah. Okay. And I actually, the more I, that, that I actually go, yeah, I notice myself do it all the time. And again, it's a muscle thing. It's like you've got to practice it. You've really got to make yourself do it. You've, yeah. you've got to notice when you're going off that path. I, I do it with podcasts. You know, I'll be walking along and I'll be listening to a podcast and then I wouldn't have heard a minute of the podcast because I'm thinking about something else. I've got to rewind the podcast and come back and listen to it. And um, and I have to stop myself and force myself. We joked about massages. I mean, we joked about Adam Day last time we chatted. And um, and and um, <laughs> you just outed yourself. <laughs> but um, but uh, that massages are great for that. I practice it while I'm doing that. I almost like doing yeah. a little meditation in it because I, f- I really focus on the sensation that I'm feeling physically in that environment, you know, the sensation of that person's hand or wrist or elbow or whatever it is on on my back or on my neck or on my shoulders and really trying to keep in that moment. And it's, I think, one of the things that I loved about it when I first did it because that's, and why it has become such a big part of my self-care regime is because that's what I do. And it's one of the few places where I actually have that, I can't, I've tried meditation, I just can't quiet my mind. Yeah. I just can't do it. About, about eight minutes is an absolute maximum <laughs> and then I'm just done. I can't sit there for that long. But um, the mindfulness stuff, yeah, I, and for, for men out there or anyone out there that's listening, like we said, it sounds hippy-trippy, but yeah. try it. Just literally bring yourself back. Yeah. Focus on the bird. Listen to the song. It could be as easy as when you're eating. Like, yep. taste the food. Yep. Slow it down. Count your, your chews. Yeah. Um, but be aware of that flavor in your mouth because, like, you know, that leads on to nutritional health and, yeah. and all those things as well. But if people actually slow that down, there's all these other benefits from that as well. Yeah. I, um, if I'm feeling particularly, particularly like, stressed and over it and I need to, like, disconnect my brain and unhook a little bit, it sounds yeah. really silly, but I like to have a cold shower in the dark. So, like, <laughs> it takes away, like, you know, one of your like senses you know you can't like see but it makes you like stop and be present makes you feel the water on your skin it like totally settles you had me i do the cold shower thing like i but when yeah. you went to the dark, I was like, well, I'm yeah, learning no, a whole like, thing here. No, like you can just like... <laughs> Adam's really just... No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, give I'm, it a go. I'm going to give it a go, <laughs> give, it a, give it a red hot crack. Like, <laughs> We're like, all going to do it tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just yeah. message each other tomorrow. Yeah. How did you but go? But even ending a shower on cold, yeah, like that does things to your nervous system yeah. and that sparks things. And sorry, I cut you off. No, yeah. like it's just about... Or like if it's you know warm or cold, whatever. Like I've done both. But like if you're in the dark, like it's... You're able to be... Like it's just a little bit more present. You can yeah. feel the water on you. You can stop and think. It's one of my wife's go-tos when she's had a bad day. She'll go in. Yeah. She's in for a shower. Yeah. Following um, water restriction guidelines. Four minutes, yeah, of course. But I, I say to people as well, there's a whole range of sensory things that are happening. There's the noise. There's mm. a, you know, an element of the noise being blocked out. Um, if it's a steamy kind of a shower, it's almost like it, it, it envelops you. It's a, like a cocoon. Yeah. But you're also in that small environment anyway. So you're kind of – and if you can manage to do it and have – you know, if you've got a lock on your bathroom door um, and nobody comes in and yeah. interrupts you, you have get, again, a couple of minutes of peace and quiet. Yeah. But, you know – It's look, underrated. There's no, underrated. there's no silly yeah. ideas yeah. in this one, yeah. so I'm I'm happy to for people out there if you're listening to this, give it a shot. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, genuinely, Take give it a shot. shot. Yeah. Yeah. Try yeah. it. Try it. Shower's a cure all for lots of things. Like when a, a, like if a kid's feeling sick, 
Yeah. I'll say. I saw this. Or a shower um, hill. Yeah. I saw this like really funny meme about like, you know, the your shampoo bottles, you know, have, have heard all of your amazing arguments and like all your comebacks to all those like <laughs> yeah. you know, things that you could have said. Um, you know, your shampoo bottle has heard them all. Yeah. It's like when I read that I was like, you know what, that's so true. That's like, actually- <laughs> you know, you just you're in the shower, you're thinking about, oh far out, it would have been so good if I said that or what if I did that instead? Yeah. You know, greatest insight. You know, but your shampoo bottle or your shower gel, you know, they've heard all about it. What if that's it. ever been studied? <laughs> no, because so many people have their best thoughts in the shower. Yeah. It's like, what, which element, which element brings all that clarity? Like, yeah, is well, it the combination, the water, the steam, yeah, well, the, the aloneness? Yeah, I don't know. Like, There's something to it. Someone needs to do like a scientific, <laughs> scientific study. study. On there's your, there's an X project. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, um, That'd be an interesting one to get across the line, I think. Yeah. What do you reckon about this one? Showering with the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so rule eight, we just had to <laughs> do some research in our own time. Don't mind me, I'll just sit over here and watch you shower. <laughs> Aren't we supposed to have the no no no, we don't need the light off for this There'd be one. Many forms <laughs> What's the criteria you have there? Well, there's a few. Um the it's in it, yeah. I never actually thought about what the, you know, maybe it is the just the aloneness. Maybe it's the, the. I, I actually think it's an element of sensory deprivation. Yeah, I think it's 100%. A, a miniature sort yeah. of. Uh, a lot of my friends are visiting this um this place out at Gregory Hills. It has a sensory deprivation tank. I've heard about this. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't understand what it is. Yeah, so it's we a need to do a cocoon. podcast on that. So yeah, it's not and well, maybe that's part of our study. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and they they sort of and they rave about it. They yeah. rave about the idea of being in there for an hour and um and floating and just having that hour to kind of meditate, be mindful, be grateful, whatever. Being locked inside your own head, be away from everyone for an hour. I don't know how it works, but. Maybe there's an element of that, like a, yeah. you know, just for for five minutes, we're in a shower with the steam is there, the hot water's there, the, you know, the noise is kind of blocked out a little bit, yeah. and you just get a couple minutes of alone time, mm. and just, yeah, yeah I, I'm going to try that. That's, yeah. we actually will genuinely try it, and people <laughs> out there, listen, try it. We've covered the what is mental health question to you guys, I think, and we've gone with us. <laughs> Very different version of what um, what's your go-to. But very quickly before we go, because 52 minutes, I told you it went quicker than you thought it's it would. Yeah, it does. Um, what for you, professionally and personally, let's go with this one. There's two versions of this response. What's your go-to for managing your wellness, for managing your mental health? So if you were, from a professional perspective, you would say to someone this – Personally, for you guys, what's your go-to besides cold showers in the dark? <laughs> <laughs> We're not mocking you. We're just I'm genuinely, you yeah. know. Yeah, and, um, I think like professionally, um, like my number one advice would be if you've got a good relationship with your GP, go to your GP. Yep. Um, I think for a lot of, um, I can only, I guess, talk from my immediate kind of circle of friends and family members, like... You know, these are family GPs, you know, like, mm. you know, you've gone there as a as a kid. Um, now you've got your own family and you're taking your yep. own family there. So, like, there's a level of trust with your GP. Yep. Um, and I think GPs more now than ever are more well-versed on mental health and well-being. Yep. Um, so, you know, I think there's a... 
there's a great connection there to to really speak to someone who's really trusted but if that gp isn't if you don't have that level of trust with your gp then it's you know it's places like lifeline it's the mental health access line here in southwest they've got something really great called recovery point it's a mm-hmm. website and an app so if you google that it's got a whole bunch of help seeking information for for individuals yep, it's absolutely for, tremendous yeah. i've had a look at that myself yeah. yep and i've used it a lot when people kind of ask me questions here in southwest and being not being a southwest resident i'm like oh well i need to know this stuff too like yep. go to recovery point um yeah and there's another really great australian government website that just put out some really good resources called head to health yep um so you know mental health um referral fact sheets information resources fantastic information to go to Cool. And what's your what's your, what's your personal go to for mental health and wellness? For looking after my own wellness, yeah. apart from showers and the glitter jar, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Deborah always laughs at me when I kind of talk about this, but I wake up really early to go to the gym every morning, mm-hmm. and I like that's kind of twofold. It's so a I get parking at Liverpool Hospital, mm-hmm. but then it's also about starting my day off where like there's a sense of like control or like a sense of doing something that's not work related but and it's time for me you've achieved something as yeah well i've day. achieved something yep. and it set my day off really well yeah and i've kind of looked at you know, i've been doing that steadily for the past couple of years and i've looked back at the days of the week where i haven't gone to the gym in the morning and i've like reflected about like how much more frustrated i've been that mm-hmm. day or more agitated or more cranky or whatever yep and then you start to kind of connect the dots a little bit to say, well, far out. Well, maybe looking after my physical health has a lot to do with like how I'm functioning, you know, for my own mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like you were saying earlier, there's just so much kind of underrated benefit to getting out and doing some walks and doing mm-hmm. that wellness stuff and um, just sweating a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, and you just, it releases all those kind of feel good chemicals and makes, make you feel, makes you feel like accomplished or, um, and it improves your mood, like yeah. it moves your mood as well. I just, yeah. I'm happy that it's like I just got it done, and I'm happy that it's done. Yeah, and I'm, yeah. and I, I feel that sense of achievement that, and truthfully, it actually took a couple of weeks. Like it took a couple of weeks before I had started to feel that. Mm. And a friend of mine, um, she was doing it, and she was like messaging me, going, "I hate this, I hate this, I hate this." I'm like, "Give it a couple of weeks, you'll be fine. Mm. Give it a couple of weeks." And then one day, she posted a live video on Facebook and just went. I'm out for my walk. It's 8.30. I've been looking forward to this walk all day. And I went, oh, ah, cool. there you go. Gotcha. There's the moment. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, to me, it's just, I, it's, for me, it's that sense of achievement. I've got up and yeah. I've done something. It's out of the way. I don't have to look forward to it. Because as I said to you before, I will find a reason to not do it. Mm. Like, oh, oh, what's that? You want me to stay home and play with a glitter jar? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> we'll create 10 of them. Let's do that rather than go and exercise. So same question for you, Deborah. Professionally and personally. Professionally, what's that? Oh, professionally. I and think you can I'll, say the same thing as Brendan if you want to. I'll, I'll extend on what Brendan said. Yep. So GP, definitely. But I think some people might be like, oh, what do I say there? So say how you're feeling. I'm yeah. feeling really emotional. I'm feeling really frustrated all the time. I just yeah. don't feel like I'm coping well. I'd really like some more support. Say you want a mental health plan. There's, it's free. You get, you know, they decide how many visits you might get, but it means you can go get uh, some counselling support where they can give you some tips and you may only have to pay a small amount or nothing. So 
You've got nothing to lose by asking. But yeah, cut it down about $25 a session for me. It was amazing. Yeah, it's so, it is so achievable. We're in a country where we have that and it's, we are so lucky for that. Mm. So definitely go to, go to your GP, but say what you want. Like don't walk out feeling like you weren't heard. Mm. Go in thinking, okay, well, this is what I want. I want to talk to someone. So ask for that. Yeah. Be really clear. And it's really hard to be clear if someone's, you know, in a state of anxiety or depression and you don't, you know, they may not feel they've got that power in them, but if mm. they can just get that across the line, then that next person will help empower them. Mm. Um, and it may t- it's not going to happen with that one visit, but it's just that, that step in a direction that can help support them. Yeah. So That's a good point. Like, um, it's almost like advocating for yourself. Yeah, which is you know? hard. Yeah, which is yep. hard. But yeah. it's something that, you know... Is essential. Yeah, do it, and then the rest will kind of take care of itself from there. So that's probably the hardest part. You do that part and turning up to that first appointment is going to be hard and the yeah. second appointment and it's, an, it's a hard, emotional, exhausting process. But at the end of the day, it helps put the rest of your life in perspective and mm. your family. And so, yeah, it's definitely – it's a tricky one, but, mm. yeah, definitely a great advice. Like, And if you're not ready to do that, then be aware of the things that do, which are your go-to. So my go-to is mm-hmm. exercise It has been – for years and years, I know the difference in myself if I have done some form of exercise. Um, but as a mum and, you know, working and juggling so many balls, it, yep. it's so hard to fit that in. So sometimes I may not get to walk till 9.30 at night in the mm. dark. I don't have street lights. I have a torch in my hand. I have reflector bands on. <laughs> I am only walk like 750 metres some night, but nights. Um, but that mm. makes a huge difference in just my head um ideally i'll go do some laps in the pool that's my number one Mm -hmm. vice um but i think that's the reason for that is you can't hear anyone no one can talk to you if someone tries you can pretend you didn't hear them you just follow (laughs) that black line um and focus on your stroke and that's you know it's a form of escapism really but you've got to be mindful at moment as well because it's all about the, the the swimming where it's it brings me clarity and, yeah, that's my that's my go-to. All right. Before we go, let's give a plug to the project. Where can people read about it, see it, Great learn more? So if people jump on our Facebook page, SWS Wellbeing, um, they can learn about the project there. It's yep. at the top of the page. We've got a pinned post about it. Yep. Um, and that's where we share stories primarily. Yep, cool. Uh, we've got, like, connections with all the local papers and websites and things like that, but... I guess that well-being Facebook page is the central. It's the easiest way. The easiest We're probably way. tagged in this podcast, maybe. Yep, definitely. Um, so click on that link, or you know, worst case, if it's too hard, maybe message. We'll share. We'll definitely share a link to the yeah. to the yeah. to the Facebook page as well, so people can have a look at that. I think we've done that already. Yeah, I but think we'll do it have. again. Yeah. So yeah, we're Southwest Sydney, so SWS Wellbeing. Um, and yeah, we'd love to hear from anyone, even if it's just something that might be okay. Like if you want to just ask us what those questions are and have a think about it, we're happy to talk to anyone who wants to consider the project. Or any feedback as well. You know, <laughs> like you don't have to be a participant. Yeah. Um, if you've got some things. Or if you want us you to want come to and share information yeah. somewhere, yeah. We're, you know, we might better do that as well. Yeah. And they're always available to watch a shower. <laughs> Part of strictly strictly for scientific purposes. It'll be peer reviewed. Oh, There'll be an ethics <laughs> approval for this one. Oh, thank you guys. I appreciate your time. Thanks, thank Adam. You. Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. 
Uh, before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favours? Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast and, of course, please share this podcast. Um, the reviews help us to uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about and, of course, the sharing helps us to get our message out there. We don't have any money, so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message. Uh, equally, if you listen to this podcast, now we do a warning at the start, but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you loves mental health or well-being, please uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health. Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody, uh, and you can't talk to friends or family, please go and see your GP. Or, of course, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978. Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or, of course, the Kids Helpline on 1800 551800. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call triple O. Uh, but at the very least, please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions. And please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.